This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 254, Points and Tempo. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. that year so you were on you were on tempo this is i don't even know now matt i don't know what tempo is yeah, in you, the world of music well, okay? you're not on my tempo not, so. i'm not on your tempo i'm on my own separate tempo away from everyone's tempo <laughs> my own special tempo <laughs> it's my own one matt okay who cares? It's not a music show, uh-huh. all right? Well, sometimes we it is. Music stuff. If on you the let show. me be yeah. in charge, it'll be a music show. That's true. Show. Oh, I'm so sorry. I robbed you of a potential like. Oh, you know what? Start the show over again. Start the show over again. <laughs> no, come on, man. Come on, man. No, come on. Bring the music back up. Bring it back up. Well, let's let's hear your little mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. that your ditty that you were gonna okay. start. I'll, I'll shut up. I'm gonna shut up. Tempo and points, pizza face. No, I like I like where you're going. Tempo and points. Oh yes. <laughs> Tempo and points. <laughs> you know, and then and then just the rest of it. Uh, yeah. Hello. Hey, what's going on? Hey, how is everybody? Hi. How are you doing? Hi. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Hello. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. What's up? Hey. Uh, hey, is anything going on with you? Yeah. Listen, hey. Hey. I'll how's tell everything you what? going? I tell you what's really going on is uh, the ding dang finals of this tournament that we've been yeah. working on forever. Or uh, it's coming up. I tell you that much. Uh, when yeah. is it? Everyone's asking. When is it? When is uh, it, Matt? When is it? Can you tell us? Can you tell us? <laughs> nope. We're recording this like mere <laughs> moments before it's supposed to go hot onto people's uh-huh. iPods, uh-huh. onto their iPod Nanos. <laughs> But where's uh, is it ready? I mean, come on, Matt. We're rec- this is at the eleventh hour. We yeah. should know by now, right? Nope. We don't know diddly squat yet. Oh, it, it, it turns out when you need to find six exact players to be available at the exact same time for ten plus hours, it's always yeah. really hard to do that. When when you have oh, thirty six players that you need to fit into like kind of rough windows, way easier. Uh, but we are working on it. Uh, what what I do know is. As of right now, it is either the 23rd of July or the 30th of July. Both of those are Saturdays. Wow. And the time start will be aiming for a 1300 UTC. That's when we're looking for the finals to happen. But those two weekends, we haven't settled on one yet. Uh, yeah, so- and, in, and in case uh, you skip the pre-roll ad... Um- you could see us live August 4th at the Helium Comedy Club <laughs> in Indianapolis, Indiana. Come see us. If you happen to be in town yeah. because of Gen Con, please come see us and go ahead and buy tickets yeah. now. Yeah. And you'll note how close one of those dates is to the other date. Hunter uh-huh. and I are actually freaking out a little bit at the idea that we have to do the finals and then literally like hours after, like we will finish the finals, pack up our gear, and then drive to Indianapolis to go do Gen Con. Like within We're days. We're tired. <laughs> We're going to be Twilight Imperiumed out, okay? <laughs> Pretty hardcore stuff, y'all. Yeah. Not really happy about that aspect of mm-hmm. it, but whatever, you know? It's it it'll be it'll be a two for one trip for me we in get, a way. We're going to get sense. we're doing you know what we're doing, Hunter? 
is after this stuff, we're both doing vacations. <laughs> it's vacation no. time. No, never, no, never. No Hunter vacation never. for me. No <laughs> vacation for me. I, I that is not how it works for me. I need. I must work, Matt Matthew. <laughs> work you to know, live. You know the rules. You know the rules. <laughs> We the must, witch the witch made it very clear the witch made it very clear what how how things will be from now on no 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 i'm i'm actually hoping to uh go to germany uh, sometime uh this year i'm yeah. hoping to possibly do um and if i do that i will be hitting up uh some people that might be listening right now yeah and i've already you know hit up people because i'm going to foggy old london town oi Aww. oi gov hello i'm coming to ye town to your city we're coming wow I'm coming. To I'm... insult all yeah, of them with that em. horrible accent well i have to there make sure they don't want to see me while i'm there because i don't think i'll have time to see any of them so i just need to make it feel like a choice on their point to like well i don't want to see oh, really? that guy you don't He's think so... your wife will be excited about maybe <laughs> potentially hanging out with some fans of the show you don't think that your wife will be stoked about you know maybe getting in a little twilight yeah. imperium on the on the trip we need you to do so? I, we need we need to bring her like back on for an episode and just get kind of her new vibe on on this show you know i don't i don't oh, yeah yeah I think, have, I, I have think... things improved or or <laughs> disproved uh since last i don't know time. i think we need to check in i think that's the point oh, okay. is we gotta know we, we gotta see you have any ideas maybe on what the vibes <laughs> might be as far as vibe check there well Mal- if i remember correctly she wasn't exactly thrilled uh-huh. with the project uh-huh. last time she appeared on yeah, the show and we've had a baby since then so huh well that was before the baby when we did that episode i think so yeah god time really is flying so quickly <laughs> it's not that fun. it's like I'm going to blink, and it's going to be like, I'm welcome to episode 2,853. <laughs> I'm 78 years old, and I play Twilight <laughs> Imperium every day. Episode, we are 2000, still on. episode 2000 will take 40 years. <laughs> hey, I was kind of right. You were kind of Timing-wise, right. yeah. yeah. I, I'll be, be 70, uh, 70 72. to 80 years old. Yeah. 72. Yeah. All right. 40 oh, years. Man. Wow. This has been wow. a long, a longer vamp than we normally allow ourselves. Uh, I, this is not a vamp. Yeah, I, I, Matt, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. Sure, you like to say that word all the time. I am never vamping. I know. Okay, yeah. and I don't even. I wouldn't even know how to vamp. Yeah, because I don't know what vamping means. No, I don't. Mean, right? I don't really mean a vamp, but I do mean we've uh, been talking long enough to not be talking about Twilight Imperium, which means it's time oh, for your okay. your weekly fix. Hey, welcome to Space Cats Pistols for your weekly fix of Twilight Imperium. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, doing? hey. Last week we talked about the Council Calera's and kind of an old school strategy guide episode approach. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. It was work. It was tough, mm-hmm, all right? Mm-hmm. Hadn't done an episode like that in a while. Was fun. Was difficult. Miss it. Uh, yeah, miss it. But now is the best part of the show. We haven't had this, honest to God, in a long time. We yeah. haven't had this this aspect of the show really factor in in a deep way. It is errata time. We talked about a new faction, which means a lot of people going to come out of uh, out of the, you know... Out of the everywhere yeah. to tell us that we done messed up and we done stupid, we done messed up, right. that we're done bad. Yeah. That we done bad and we're in trouble. We did a bad All job, right? and here's who said so. First up, <laughs> it's our dear friend, Robofish. Great yeah. episode. Uh, off to a bad start, Robofish, I would say. Not insulting enough. Uh, yeah, not insulting at all. Yeah. In fact, you opened with a compliment. That's yeah. weak. Super, okay. super lame of you. Uh, ASN yeah. is crazy good, of course, referring to uh, agency, agency Supply, supply Network. Network. Uh, the one thing I think the episode missed is how having more space stocks allows a cumulative ability to build and rebuild. 
one builds at two, or we could say A, right? A builds at B. Then uh, B then sends those units to do other stuff. Then B builds at C. This one faction that really has no build limit, uh, this is a faction that really has no build limits, especially with three space docks and even more with IIHQ if you hold Mechatol. As such, Fighter 2 is really good for them. Well, I disagree, Robofish. I think you're wrong. I disagree with the errata. Um, I think if I was playing uh, with Subwood and they were playing Calaris and they were like, I need to get three space docks and three different systems mm-hmm. so that I could use agency supply network to build three different times per round, what I would say to them is, hey, why do you build so much stuff? <laughs> Why are you building that Are you going to score any points ever? Are you going <laughs> to score any points, bud? You are spending all of your tokens on, on ships right now. Let's slow it down just a little bit, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Let's not get so win more with the production capacity aspect of this faction. Yeah. You know, I just think it might be a lot. Uh, that, that, that's just a lot. Because that's technically four. If you have three space stocks and... IIHQ, and of course the space docks are in like separate systems, I guess, is mm-hmm. what you would need instead mm-hmm. of you wouldn't double dock in this situation, which is kind of weird. We'll talk about more um, agency supply network and having two space docks in one system in a little bit. Uh oh, yeah. bit yeah. of an oopsie coming up. Right. Um, but yeah, that just sounds like a little bit too much focus on agency supply network. I made it work with one space dock at home and the IIHQ free three production on Mechatol Rex, and I felt like I was getting quite a bang for my buck yeah just with that three production single space dock and one ability yeah yeah i think i i think that's more than enough and also you know let's keep the discussion of space dock two alive please robo fish (laughs) perhaps it will be useful someday just kidding (laughs) it won't (laughs) Uh, next up is one from Torin. claris loves to spend their money all the time. The more money, the more text, the more fighters, the more other stuff that they can build. The writer is also very useful to other people. It's a good chunk of money with an upside, so why not try to get value off the writer sooner rather than later? I would happily offer an X minus zero for a later use of the writer any day so that you can get those extra trade goods now. I would especially love to stack uses of the writer. Never give the writer away, lest someone hold on to it till the perfect moment. Instead, offer people an ordered list of debts to use for it. For instance, Sol, Hakan, and Jolnar are all owed a use of the writer. Each agenda you offer Sol, then Hakan, then Jolnar a use before moving on and selling it yourself. The more debts you can put on the writer, the better, as it costs you a measly one trade good later for lots of scraps now. Yeah, so um, this is a bit of advice I want to give to the Sol, Hakan, and Jolnar player in this hypothetical. <laughs> Why are you agreeing to this deal? Yeah. The idea of a non-binding deal where in the future I get the Calaris Rider, which, by the way, is just a chance mm-hmm. at, 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 at getting two trade goods and an action card. It's just merely a chance. And if you sell this to multiple people, they're going to be asking themselves... How many agenda phases are we expecting here exactly? And how many of those agendas are going to be for or against easier time getting my rider off thing? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like as I feel like this strategy, while while it is interesting, Toron, I don't I don't disagree with your creativity here. I question a little bit the value proposition for the rest of the table. Yeah. um, To promise you, you know, things like an X minus zero or like 
even it, just any old little thing, a single trade good, whatever, whatever cheap little bit you can come up with um, for promises of use of it, because I just feel like that's kind of a little bit too much random chance on random chance. It's like I'm playing a uh, casino logic, but there's not a bit, a lot of upside, yeah. you know? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the winner, Winu Omega promissory note which is the one that lets you do the secondary of whatever strategy card Winu has for free, mm-hmm. right? And I just feel like I very often see Winu trying to oversell that thing, and then the smart players are like, yeah, but you might take leadership, and then it's literally useless for me, and then there's right. like a couple other strategy cards that like I just don't even want to do, and so then I end up holding onto this note for way longer than I mean to, or in especially in the situation of like promising it to future people, it's like if you build up any level of a, a list of people who are owed this note, it just means it's now lost all value because people are just like, what, you want me to get in line for a thing that might only right. get flipped twice ever? Like, uh, it's it's gonna, it's not gonna start happening for me. So, with a strategy like that, Toron, I would say it really just depends on, you know, what, what value proposition your table sees in this. But I personally don't see the value in it. If I was the other player, I would, and, and what I suggested in, in the episode was more of a, waiting till we're really close to the window type salesmanship yeah. that I find has been pretty effective at yeah. getting me uh, at times, at least a trade good. Um, I've had times where someone agreed to give me both trade goods and they just wanted the action card. Mm. That's what they were interested in. So they promised that. I think that was maybe a little bit too much to promise, but it's something I was able to get away with. So there you go. Right. I don't know. Right. I, th- I think that's, I think that's more more than okay. And I think most players will see some value in that yeah. as opposed to the non-binding promise of its use in the future. Right. Well, this has been fun for Hunter to get to disagree with these erratas, but now we have to put our helmets on. Uh, yes, here we, we have the real one. Uh, this is from Snooberry. Agency Supply Network only lets you do one other unit's production, right? So even with IAHQ, uh, it would only be three units to be built off of Mechatolrex, uh regardless of if there's a space stock on Mechatolrex. So so right. the question is, do, can you pool the production for Agency Supply Network? Yeah, and I don't know whether we said one way or the other. Yeah. Um, because, to be honest, I didn't really remember uh, <laughs> yeah. what we said. Right. And I did not check, okay? Sorry. <laughs> uh, so maybe you are aware that we definitely got this one wrong, if you remember it from last week. If you don't, then whatever. We will correct it now. Sure. We will for sure get it right until Dane changes it later. <laughs> but for now, it will be correct. Uh, you only, you, Snooberry is correct here. Yeah. You only get to produce out of one right. space stock in the other system, the unactivated system right. for Agency Supply Network, um, which means that uh, you... And I think maybe the reference here is that we may have referenced the idea of having a space stock on Mechatol Rex mm-hmm. and then using... That as the second unactivated system for agency supply network, meaning you would have like six production, right? Um, as opposed to three, right? Um, so whatever. I don't know. I mean, it 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 does not work like that. And I even don't really care about building the space stock on Mechatol Rex at yeah. all. In fact, I think IAHQ is th- your way of getting around uh, needing a space stock on Mechatol Rex. And also, I'd push back a little bit. I'm going to disagree with Snooberry here a little bit. Uh, 
only three units to be able to be built yeah, on Mexico Rex unactivated? Only? <laughs> that's the word you're going to use, Mary? You're in trouble, bud. I caught you. you weird word choice. Three unactivated units on Mexico Rex is pretty good. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's actually great. All yeah. right? Watch it, Snooberry. You're in trouble, bud. Well, and to combine this with Robofish's errata from earlier, I, I actually do think Fighter 2 is not really the right choice in the end then for Calera's. I mean, I think they can be fine, but I think realistically you get more value out of situations where you build the flagship in a dread and do stuff with those unactivated units, right? Like the, the value you're getting out of agency supply network is getting a big, heavy unactivated ship. If I can only do a carrier and two fighters, like, is that always enough over time? Maybe with a bunch of builds in, in multiple rounds, it can add up to something, which is, is mm-hmm. certainly nothing to balk at. But I, I wonder if the less, units that are more expensive and more potent is the maybe slightly more correct approach as clear especially when we're already going down a blue yellow path stay with me space dock two <laughs> space dock two space dock two come on yell it space dock two I can't, the, the words don't come two. out of my mouth it's the yell strangest it at thing. your cubicle at work right now okay space dock two Space Dock 2, pull over! Mm-hmm. Get out of the shower! It's time. Space Dock 2, so the, come on! The proposed tech path of unit upgrades for Calaris is Carrier 2, Fighter 2, Space Dock 2. It's time no. to shine, proposed baby. proposed unit upgrade path for Calaris. Space Dock <laughs> 2. And that's it, alright? Stop with the blue tech already! <laughs> I will say, too, because uh, I know this was part of the episode, we certainly implied, like, agencies supply network can can pool resource, can pool production, and it can't. But, and Hunter doesn't love it, but I got nothing wrong with a space dock and uh, Custodia Vigilia on Mechatol for six production. Like, I think that's a pretty great little base of operations. And then you can use agency supply network on your space dock at home, depending on, like, what you're doing each round. It's It's not the unactivated thing in the center of the board, but depending on round four and how it's going, it might be a great way to gear up. I don't know. I, 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 I think there's value in it. I actually, re- I actually completely second what Matt just said, I and, and I, I think it's actually maybe the smarter way to do it. Um, because... What are you building on Mechatol Rex? Well, you're probably going to be building all your mechs, a bunch of infantry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to be building, like, a fleet there to do stuff in every situation. Sometimes you do. Sometimes it's about scoring that secret or whatever you got to do, in which case you can pop a few ships in there and go yeah. for it. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the time it's just going to be about holding Mechatol Rex. So do we need Mechatol Rex to be the unactivated system anyways? I don't know. I probably don't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our next one is from Alesgo. I, I always get this name pronunciation wrong, and I'm sorry. Uh, but they adjusted their glasses for a moment. Here here I am adjusting my glasses uh, it, for them. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Calera's ability to gain two command tokens when other players benefit from holding Imperial and gaining a point from the primary of Imperial occurs before following the secondary. In other words, it is possible for a Calera's with an empty strategy pool to still follow Imperial and draw a secret, surprising some players. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. That's not so much something we got wrong, but that's definitely something we missed. It's we did key, not really yeah. talk about the potential of that. And it's also really good to notice the specific of the rules in this game. Yeah. And now we know... we. Are, I feel like what we just did there was we took a little time <laughs> to avoid a snafu later yeah. in tournament... F- 
what five, five tournament five yeah where we'll we will have Calera's and right. Calera's will be in probably in tournament five i don't know maybe yeah, actually maybe I'm they sure won't be maybe they wouldn't maybe they never will maybe we'll just call them the fan faction you know <laughs> Dane's, not a real Dane's faction. weird homebrew that he decided to yeah. add to Dane's homebrew yeah um really excited for to win tournament five uh, anyways, what is the, what's well, the next the one? The last that, one we got is from Too Many Zs, and it is, I could have missed if this was already hit on, but it's probably worth pointing out that Empyrean's Blood Pact has absolutely disgusting synergy with Calaris. There's a few of these things that I think are going to come up over time, these yep. weird little yep. things that uh, we realize are just, like, disgusting trade good synergy. But yeah, explain Blood Pact to me, Hunter. Sure, so, so Blood Pact is, um, it's a promissory note that Empyrean has. Empyrean has two packs. Blood Pact is the one where uh, they play it in their play area, and now every time they give their full commodity value to Empyrean... Both Empyrean and the player doing that get one trade good extra. It just comes out of nowhere. It comes out of the ether. You just get an extra one. Right. Um, and basically the way this is played most of the time is Empyrean uh, picks a special buddy um, and marries them for the first four rounds of the game. Um, and then uh, the relationship is over and they go their separate ways. Um, unless they don't have to, which is yeah. always real nice. Um, the point here is that Calaris gets to refresh their commodity value in full a guaranteed two times yeah. uh, for most of the early game uh, and a lot of the mid game too. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that is a lot of extra value you can get on top of every, all the other extra value that we're getting as Calaris. And I want to also say to too many Z's also couldn't remember if we pointed this out or not. Yeah. So we may have just restated something. I don't care. We definitely did Good not job, talk about Blood Z's. Pact, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just another of those things that this, this replenishing of commodities and how often it happens or the spending of commodities, there's just a lot of stuff going on with Calera's that is going to be like similar to like Jolnar stuff of like, when can you squeeze in or like Hakan where it's just like finding all the crazy little ways to to work in mm -hmm. a deal is we're going to just mm -hmm. keep finding these kinds of moments so blood pact is is certainly a, a weird one. it turns out when you're a really good faction at trade there's a lot of people that are good combos with you because trading is good basically yeah, yeah. and i'll say another thing before uh, i'm not going to call out all of these um examples there there were many but it didn't really feel i would say worth it to cover it yet i think in the future one one discussion that we will have to have is exactly what are all the options for that alliance mm. um, that a Calaris has? Right. How how many different interesting cases can we all cook up yep. as far as things that that alliance can grant the other player? The reason that I don't necessarily want to get into it now is I thus far sort of fail to see why Calaris needs to even refresh their commander yeah, in order to right. grant these other players these abilities. Yeah, yeah. The, the best example, we won't go into it too much, but the best example I saw in Arata was people talking about Nalu's new agent, which is a component yes. ability to move, and then you would immediately move again. And it's like, why on earth does Kolaris need to enable Nalu to that extent? <laughs> well, I'm, for, for I'm no actually game. glad you... I'm glad you brought up the Nalu one because that was actually one of the only ones, including the ones I talked about last week. So I, I, oh, I wish I had the person pulled up. I don't have them pulled up. A lot of people talked about this. I'm sorry. Um, and Matt, if you find the person before I get done with this point, whatever, we'll throw it in. But um, this is, I think, actually the best example of uh, someone you can trade this to where they have something they can give you. Of course, Nalu can give away the zero token. Yeah, if they're That's willing. really good. Right. Now, do they want to give it away for this? Well, I don't know. Maybe round one, they might be willing to. Based right. off some non-binding agreement that you're not going to save it for round five, uh, which could mean 
custodians for you. So I could see a world where you round one, give your alliance to Nalu, uh, Nalu gives you the zero token so that you are guaranteed that shot at custodians, which is so, I think, central to the pitch of this faction, yeah. is getting that danged old Mechatol Rex. Right. right. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see how that develops. I think I think in a year we'll really understand the full breadth of yeah. the commander and the alliance um, and where it should go and who should have it and if it is sellable. It might not be. It might be that people decide that listen, there's no reason to unlock this thing. It doesn't do much for me and it does way too much for other people yep. and it's worth too much. It's the type of thing I could see in a lot of high profile cases, like let's say in some tournaments next year, we could have an issue of oh well that that game was won by having the Calaris Alliance right they won off that right and well we then all I can't of... give it out because you might win this game yeah, and so exactly. the, the price of it might inflate in people's heads you mm-hmm. know so who knows yeah. we'll see what happens with it uh, that errata came from Wecker and also from Fresh Cut Grass uh, where the two awesome. the two main people talking about that but our own Wecker had just was was decrying our lack of talking about nalu last week no and and wecker was a hundred percent right to point it out i think it is the most logical of uh of options as far as uh trading it i just still don't know if you should trade it at all yeah but we'll see um i feel like before we get into the episode proper here we should possibly do an ad break is that correct i think so how about we let's slip away and then we'll talk about points and tempo Okay, welcome back, and uh, it is time for what feels like a very long overdue episode, or yeah. or something. The, the, to me, this episode will be the newest, like most important resource that I want to point people towards in terms of like understanding tournament level play of this game, because I do think conversations around tempo, which we're going to define here in a minute, but conversations around tempo tempo have become the defining characteristic of my commentary at the very least in a game right. and, and, and certainly guide my play. But in commentary, when I'm trying to keep track of what's going on, it's all based on what I view each player's tempo as being. Yeah. A lot of times we'll talk about a player in a sense of like, Oh, we're really excited about the potential energy. So much of commentary is so difficult because Island Imperium is a long game yep. and What's the thing that you want to know? What, what's the what's the Matt? Real quick trivia yeah. question, Matt. Yeah. yeah. What is the number one question <laughs> that everyone likes to ask yeah. when they pop into the chat yep. on Twitch? Hey, what is so, the first? Hey, qu- hey, 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 guys! Hey, what's going on? So, who's going to win? Yeah. <laughs> so people tend to ask that. I don't know if they're all in on some sort of group bit where they've all decided to be just hilarious. Just so, so mm-hmm. funny mm-hmm. to just like pop in and be like, who's going to win? Yeah. I want to scream <laughs> and I don't because I'm a professional. And uh-huh. I want you to notice that, listener, when you do watch the streams, and I know you all do, I can see the numbers. Just kidding. You, you check out a stream sometime. <laughs> um, if you don't, uh, I want you to know that when I'm doing that stuff, I'm holding it together, but I mm. want to scream. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because this game is eight to 12 to 15 to 27 to 35 hours long okay yeah and you dare ask me who's going to win yeah like even who's in the the lead yeah who is you you dare to enter this game 
and just ask me to just summarize the fact that one player is somehow going to win this, where, whereas I don't even know if the game is going to end in four hours or ten. <laughs> you should and see you the conversations. You have to see the conversations I have with my wife when I go out to grab a little measly snack, and she's like, so when's this game going to end? And I'm just like, I, <laughs> I yep. couldn't ever dare to know. Uh we don't all have Big Al's amazing spreadsheet that spits out exact percentage values of everyone's chance at winning. This is definitely a real spreadsheet, and everyone should definitely take Big Al very seriously every time he posts his metrics. In yeah, chat. yeah, it's definitely real. <laughs> it's definitely not Big Al just making up numbers. There's no way. There's no way that Big Al would not do that to us, okay? What a weird long con Big Al would be having uh-huh. if he was merely just making up percentage chances to win. I mean, Miguel's he got the right of it too. Just like, man, let me just appease these people. I mean, no, they're definitely real, and he's definitely taking this very seriously. Um, but we should probably discuss what this tempo actually is, and when we right. talk about players being in the lead, what we now have sort of determined that to mean. Because I do think nowadays we can say a player is in the lead. Right. They're, depending yes. on how the game is going, we can say this person currently has the advantage, and that advantage is almost always related to tempo yeah the two biggest important advantages by which we can measure late game performance in a single player in a tournament setting for use in commentary is tempo and speaker position those are the two most important uh factors uh we've already done an episode on speaker position which i would say is pretty this is like a soft sequel to that episode Mm -hmm. and in fact some of the concepts we might cover today are somewhat in uh, not a specific enough way covered in the speaker position or speaker order episode, yep. which I do not remember what number that episode is, but um, check that one out if you want something supplemental to this conversation as well. Um, but we're not going to talk about speaker position today. We are just going to talk about point tempo. Matt, what is the episode number for that other episode? One, if you can believe it, 194. How did we do Ooh. that episode over a year ago? wow time is is not real actually turns out time is fake sorry everyone yeah i hate to break it to you it's not real uh okay time isn't real huh (laughs) okay let's define tempo for everyone um and 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 this is mostly from a at least how hunter and i use tempo in commentary i think you might i even saw in the pre-errata like garrick asked the question like what, what 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 kind of what styles of tempo are we talking about when we talk about this and you could describe tempo in a lot of ways but i in particular use it in a very specific way and tempo is is using the limits to how fast someone can score meaning mostly the status phase yeah to sort of rate their scoring potential in a late game round so if we assume you score one public objective every single round right and then we even go as far as to assume you can get a hold of Imperial and score one extra public objective during an action phase, and then you score all three of your secrets, that can put you at eight points scored by round four, right? Because you can score five objectives in those four rounds with one Imperial pop, and you can get your three secrets. From there, all we need is the assumption that's... I think we're even looser on our assumption anymore that we're going to do a support swap. Uh, we will talk about bon- bonus points in a minute, but we can assume support for the throne might make its way into a mix, and then there's extra points that happen after that. But tempo is primarily dealing with those eight points, the ones that are like 
public information. We all know we have access to the same number of points, and we all know that with the right cards, we can win in round four, and more commonly, without the Imperial Pop, we can win in round five. I'm always looking at the finish line of round four or five when I'm relating how we're doing on tempo. Right. It's what it's what determines... Because in Twilight Imperium, we're trying to get to 10 points, and the points are different as far as the way you acquire them. Um, and generally speaking, people are going to get to a point where they can they can get to that total of 10 around round four or round five. And that is all just a matter of tempo. Yeah. How many points are we scoring each round and what types of points are those? Yeah. A public objective point uh, is like the lowest level of tempo, right. right? We in 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 tempo conversations, we generally make some assumptions. We will assume that this player is going to score a public objective, right, every round, and that they will score all three of their secrets. We just assume that they will, yes. And that is how we perform our analysis, right? So in a way, we're sort of doing this neat neat trick where in our analysis, we're assuming that the players are going to get so much done that it's almost as if Every player is going to reach round five, the end of it, Mm -hmm. with eight points. That is five stage one public objectives. Or sorry, I should say the end of round four, right? Um, Five stage one public objectives and then three secret objectives. So how do they get the other two? Right. And it's almost like those are the two most important points. Right. Because that eight is very assumed. Most of the time, a player can score yeah. almost all stage ones. Right. You know? but it, And so from there, and I think the reason we've settled on tempo as a thing is because actually, that's the, that's the baseline assumption, right? Is this like round four, round five, eight point thing. Um, but then within each individual game, you're adding and taking away from that for the tempo. Right. And tempo is actually relative. It's relative to the other players. There is a yes. set tempo that this particular game is operating under and a player can be there be either ahead of tempo or behind tempo or on tempo. And those are the three right. states of your game. And I don't care what you say about your This is a way to protect yourself as a player too. I don't care what you say about your secrets and whether or not they're scorable or not. I can see if you are on tempo or ahead of tempo. Or behind tempo. So what are things that put us behind tempo? Well, not scoring round one would do that. But obviously, if if, if all six players don't score round one, then there's nothing to be behind of. Now we're all on tempo. But if one person scored round one, now they're like ostensibly ahead of tempo. Your tempo is whatever is like the standard of what all the players have at this table based on what you assume they will accomplish as well as like what they've actually accomplished. So like scoring round one, we talk about it so much because it is the first mark. It is the first checkpoint that we have to determine whether or not players are on tempo. And we can, we use that to judge how they're doing in this game. Anybody that scores round one, they are win. They're winning in our eyes. They are in the right. lead, and anybody who didn't score round one has to take very specific actions to catch themselves up. Right. Exactly. Uh, taking imperial and scoring an extra public objective is one way to catch up. Right. Yep. Getting some of the bonus points that we're going to talk about in a minute is a way to kind of fill in one of those assumed points. Remember, we're kind of we're assuming. Yeah. That everyone will have a pretty good shot at scoring all five of the stage one public objectives and all three 
of their secrets. Yep. They already have eight points in our eyes, which is one of the things that I think can be really confusing about watching Twilight Imperium is that I, it, someone might ask who's winning and there'll be a player at nine points. Right. And, and then I'll say the name of a player who's at seven points. Right. And they're like, why? Yeah. They don't have nine points. They don't, they, they don't have the most points. Yeah. Because all that Twilight Imperium really cares about is who gets to 10. The yeah. first player to 10 is all that matters. And what is going to factor into that, to them being the first one across that finish line, is their tempo. Yeah. And not being Winslade, of course. But we're not talking about that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right? Um, so, okay, let's talk a bit more about these other two points then. And these are what we refer to as bonus points. And Hunter and I have started to, to draw a line in the sand. And we've really decided that support for the thrones are bonus points. So I'll, I'll lead with that, which is just to say sure. we've settled what the eight points are, right? The eight points to win your game exist. Literally everything else you can score is basically a bonus point. So that right. includes custodians. That includes receiving a support for the throne. Now, usually the easiest bonus point is that support for the throne because you just offer someone a support for the throne for a support yep. for the throne. And Get it's it a back. very easy, natural swap. Three sets of two can do that in a six-player game. It kind of solves itself, and we see most games shake out that way. So that's why we used to just assume that would happen. But it's not always true anymore, and especially nowadays as people start to judge tempo, what we keep seeing is games that start to go late and we haven't done the support swaps yet, and all of a sudden there's a person who is in the lead, in quotes, and uh-oh, they're not being offered a support swap anymore. And now we're going to do like a weird support triangle or whatever. There's a lot of different things. So it's just easier to think of a support for the throne by itself that if you receive one, that's one of your two bonus points that you need to acquire. Right. Yeah. You always have to get two. Um, what is the difference, Matt, between a bonus point and then your secret objectives? We we included yeah. those right. in our just normal expectations for players, but is there a difference here? How why are secrets not bonus points, Matt? So why are they not? Secrets still have, first off, a limit to how many you can have, right? You can only have three of them. Uh and Imperial is a common enough card to get taken that in, secrets uh cycle into players' hands very often. Bonus points exist outside of that kind of limitation a bonus point right. is literally something that can just appear out of thin air and for most of them it's like it's only scored once or for a lot of them it's like a kind of thing that you know can or can't be taken away from you but they, they, they have this like indefinable quality whereas like secrets have like a whole structure to their mechanical existence in the yeah. game you get three uh, bonus points, there is no well there's not a lot of bonus points in the game right. I mean support for the throne is the most common one but outside of that there, it's not like there's like a bunch of them out there. Right. It's hard, like most of the game is figuring out how to procure yeah. that point, right? Right. Um, but like there is no upper limit on them. Right. There's no rule in the game that says you can't get shard and get the custodian right. uh, point and then also get, you know, obsidian and support for the throne and all of the that you could do that all in a single round right it's hard sure but there's nothing in the game saying oh here is the ceiling and you can't go past that right another thing that could be confusing about all of this and in a way that relates to secrets is that while you can only have three maximum those three points there's no reason because some of them are action phases because some of them are agenda phases uh there's no reason that those three points can't be scored in a single round right as opposed to public objectives that have you know very kind of there's either the player with imperial who maybe can score more right. uh, but everyone else just scores one in the status phase yeah. so in a weird way another thing that can be confusing is let's say i have another player at nine let's use a player at nine and then there's a player at eight yeah um 
and someone comes in and asks me, why is the player at nine not winning? Well, because I'll say something like, they've already scored all their secrets, they've already scored all, all of the stage one public objectives, they cannot score the stage two, and they have no path to getting a bonus point. Right. The other player at eight, let's say they have three, they, they are at eight and they have three secret objectives in hand. Right. That is That means that they are probably about to win this right. game. Yeah, they have significantly like, more scoring potential ahead of them. The player on nine has scored every single point that they are allowed to score, and a bonus point is the only way for them to luck into something different. Right. The other player has known quantities of other available points at their behest, and they, they can just... Right. They've already scored their bonus points. Real quickly, just to list off a bunch of the other bonus points. Uh, we've talked about this before, though. Like, you can go back to our uh, Guide to Slang episode, and we I think we list, like, all of them off. But Imperial points, while you're holding Imperial and you have Mechatol, that's a right. bonus point. Uh, is, Hunter said some relics. Uh, the Shard of the Throne is obviously one. Crown is obviously one. But Obsidian is also one. Obsidian just increases your secret total, but that yeah. breaks you out of that four-secret limit. And so, thus, Obsidian is, like, a solid soft bonus point we will talk about soft and hard uh tempo points or yes soft and hard tempo in a bit but like it operates as a way to grant you access to a higher scoring potential agendas that grant victory points are obviously uh more of that so those are like your your oh an imperial writer that's your list of all available bonus points and and where to get them right i i imagine it's a a little bit like each time a player is scoring a point they're kind of like hitting a drum Mm -hmm. and you can do it in a way where it's like point 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 all the way to 10 and then sometimes players score a bunch of points but now they've locked themselves out of getting to 10 on time right we need to get to 10 before anybody else it's not enough just to score a bunch of points we have to find 10 yep um and i think another key part of this discussion is that the stage two objectives are very much more difficult obviously than the stage ones they're worth two points but generally speaking in in really competitive twilight imperium players are scoring the stage ones like they're candy they're getting them done you know they're gonna get them done so fast that you know you're not even guaranteed a shot at the stage two anymore right these days the kids these days (laughs) aren't even letting you get to the stage two objective right right I mean, we, we we painted the scenario where the game ends in round four, and the stage two is not even supposed to be revealed until the status phase of round four. We literally mm-hmm. plenty often have a player vying for a victory before that stage two can even come out. That's not to discredit. I mean, if anything, I almost view stage twos as a form of bonus point to me. They, they are not a part of tempo. It is pure luck as to whether or not you are able to achieve any given stage two. And, I mean, that's what makes some powerhouse factions the powerhouses they are, is that they very easily luck into stage twos. Jolnar is like the perfect example of that, where yeah. they're just like yeah. very good at a lot of stage twos, which means they get to set a lot of tempo considerations aside. And in setting that stuff aside, there's so much more unreadable. You don't know how their game is going until that first stage two comes out. And then all of a sudden, it's either a hand walk, like they're just done. All right, Jolnar wins, or they're out completely because they don't have the tempo without that stage two. They have to hope next round is a better stage two or whatever. So the, so the stage twos, we could almost at some point do a whole separate episode just about how stage twos relate to tempo. But honestly, it's not even something I've worked out because we just don't see stage twos often enough. They're like realistically not a huge part of the game. They're they're a they're the biggest roll of the dice to me 
in, right. in how a game is going to end. Plenty of people score stage twos for the win. That is how a lot of games end up going out, but it's not something you can ever plan your entire strategy around. So it's not right. worth discussing at like in depth yet because we just don't have the predictability of it. At the beginning of every game, I plan to win by scoring all five stage ones plus my secrets plus two bonus points. Right. And as that gets shifted, right. what happens is you start looking at the first stage two hoping that it comes up in your favor, right. basically. So that's that's what it is. The stage two is more like a, a saving grace for a player that's like, you know, not not dead last, still sort of in the pack, but not everything has gone well for them. And I think that's actually one of the most exciting outcomes of yeah. a game is when there's a player that where the tempo's just not quite there like it is for some other players. Um, and then that stage two comes out and they just barely score it. You know, mm-hmm. that is that is the suit. They have to win slay the the super fast players and then barely score that stage two is such yeah. an exciting outcome Definitely. uh speaking of uh wind slaying and slowing down other <laughs> players tempo yeah uh how do we do that yeah. and what should that look like and why doesn't it happen more i'm gonna add that <laughs> why is it yeah. not well happening i, I want to lead with one more um effect of tempo uh that that'll feed into this which is to, to further really quickly wrap up an idea about secrets and bonus points is something else that really complicates tempo when we get into talking about this stuff in commentary is the idea that you can take Imperial and score that Mechatol point, and that is a bonus point, but what right. you have done is just denied yourself a secret objective draw, totally. which is something we're not counting as tempo, right? And so when we're counting that tempo, we have to keep track of, like, are they ahead or behind on actually even drawing those secrets that they need to stay on tempo? Like, scoring a public objective every round and drawing a secret objective at every opportunity is staying on tempo and to offset that has has even if your point value is the same right i scored the bonus point but you did not actually increase tempo yet until you draw that secret oftentimes it's very easy to see well they'll be able to draw the secret next round and they'll probably be fine or whatever yeah but in general i mean if it's in a round five scenario and they're doing imperial and they don't have their three secrets then they are off tempo because they don't actually have access to the number of points they need to have access to so right imperial as a card is a major point of contention when it comes to con- tempo because in many many different ways it controls whether or not you are ahead or behind on tempo it's like point total plus scoring potential yeah equals where you're at with tempo right so therefore you could have less points but your scoring potential is much higher right and whoever crosses that 10 threshold first wins basically it's also why we end up talking about uh the game very differently when a player is at, let's say, seven points versus like six yeah. or five. If the player is at five points, I'm not going to be talking about them right. in a sort of winning this round kind of way. Right. You know, and I think as a player, you should consider yourself when you're not in tempo, when your scoring potential is not 10 at the end of this round, you are not going to win, which means you need to be focused on which players can get to 10 by the by the end right. of this round right. that we're in and you should try and stop them yes that's that's when the wind slaying discussion right. should begin as soon as a player's scoring potential gets to 10 right there is a possibility that they are going to win this game and you have to I mean, at least from a commentary perspective i pretty much just assume that i will. assume the best case scenario right. for this player right. you know 
Yeah. Yeah. That's none of that is to say like you can't see a person pull off a five point swing, but usually it is possible to see where that five point swing could come from. Nowadays, there is no way to just magically pull off a five point swing. Like we can see how many secrets you have. We can see that you have Mechatol. We can see that you will score like you're on Mechatol or can maybe take Mechatol. We can see what strategy card you have that has enabled you. You know, if you if you are at five points on round five, you do not have Imperial. Then in a lot of cases, your scoring potential is going to be tapped out at, you know, stage two right. and whatever secrets you have left. Right. If you haven't scored any of your secrets, obviously, scoring potential wise, we could maybe just barely do it, huh? Yeah. yeah. And that's that, that sounds exciting. But that's a lot of ifs then right. on that. So all of this thoughts on Winslang then comes down to stop looking at everyone's point totals alone for who the leader is and right. you have to watch closely what everyone's scoring potential is you have to look at this right. tempo and decide early on. you have to keep a track of it starting in round one like we said like you got to see who scores round one and go oh yeah that person deserves some heat because they got ahead i, I saw this uh, errata as well from from some folks of the person the reason we talk about custodians so much is because the person who gets custodians is automatically ahead on tempo they yes. already have yes. done it they've already done the difficult thing even and- even if they're merely tied right because now that what they've because remember so let's say let's say uh four players score uh a, a stage one public objective on round one yeah and then a different player that did not score any gets custodians their <clears throat> their point total is the same their scoring potential yeah is this is this is one better right. than everyone else that scored because they will still have five full public objectives available to them right. to score. And while, whereas everyone else has already scored one and will not get an additional now. Right. They have to do something like take Imperial and be on Mechatol. This person never has to come back to Mechatol. They can just leave, go on and yep. play the rest of their game, sit in their slice. They just got to Well, as score. long as they get a support for the throne uh, sure. swap, which I find oftentimes people tend to not want to swap with the person that gets custodians. Right. I feel like it's something that's happening yeah. a little bit. In these and, and that is a, a good thing. I mean, any if anything, it's like the argument for why you should actually do your swaps as fast as possible because yep. you want to have it done before people are not going to do it with you because you've gotten your uh, you, you've already, you know, made your tempo case or whatever. I, it, I think right. so much more nowadays. The game is about other players correctly judging dem- tempo at this high level play. Like the semis have been defined by very long games because players are caught up talking about everyone else's potential and the tempo that they have and whether or not they're worth dealing with and who's going to do the back side, you know, the, the back alley right. deal with the person in the lead and nobody likes it. And it becomes a whole messy business. Like that is what top level TI looks like these days is because it's, it is all about the potential, not about the score actively on the table. Right. And whether people can score their secrets, which they uh, word on the street is they can't. I've heard. <laughs> I hear. Tell. Have you been hearing this? Yeah. They can't think- score them. They're not scoring them these days. You know, the kids aren't scoring them. It's crazy. I don't yeah. know. Back in my day, we used to score our secrets. Yeah. Not not anymore. Um, the, the perfect example of all of this that I end up talking about in games is I think Winu is a perfect example of uh, a faction where you look at tempo because Winu has this inherent improved tempo because their hero is a use of imperial sometimes it can be something different but almost everybody uses it for imperial to catch up their tempo and the way we block a winu from winning the game is very specifically making sure they don't score public objectives that they can't qualify for public objectives because the thing about winu is they're quite bad 
at control objectives, right? Holding some planets, holding space above planets or whatever, you can very easily knock them off of those things. And when Winu has this assumed improved tempo because they could be holding Imperial, be on right. Mechatol Rex, pop Imperial, pop their hero, get two free points off of that, and also increase their public objective scoring potential twice, that means they could not score for three rounds in a row and still completely catch up to everyone else's tempo in a single turn in a single round so when we watch winu we go well their tempo is great because it is inherently great which means we have to put an extra special eye on winu and when we see public objectives that we can block we all as a table need to do that we need to make sure winu has a hard time scoring these objectives because if we just let winu get away with an objective that should be hard for them their tempo will mean that that puts them ahead of everybody else because they'll just when when they need to pop their hero and stuff they'll do all of the easy objectives basically. I'm g- I'm going to differ a little bit and say that actually I I, I take an either or approach with Winu. Um, you either stop them from getting any bonus points at all, in which case sure they have access to Imperial whenever they want, but they're going to be locked into trying to score five public objectives right. in their three secrets, which adds up to eight, and it's not that's not ten. Yeah. Uh, or doing what you're talking about. Because regardless, Winu has to have both done, right? Yes. Like, we have to get the bonus points. We have to get the public objectives done. Uh, and their start, even though they have a better agent, uh, is still quite bad. Yeah. So generally speaking, there's going to be an option to throw them off uh, off rhythm and right. off tempo. I shouldn't say rhythm. Let's just try and keep it as... <laughs> let's stick to the same word if we can, actually, sure, Hunter. Sure. How about that? Okay, fine, buddy. All right. Well, hey, get off my case a little bit. We, uh, if, we, if we're going to throw them off tempo, we got to go for one of those. Right, one of those Stopping them from the bonus points or stopping them from public and, objectives. And that can what all... I love about your public objective thing, though, Matt, is if you stop someone from scoring a public objective, it's much harder for them, I think, to recover yeah. from that. right. There's only one strategy card that right. you can take that does it, right? right. Like, it's just that one. Yeah. That's it. That's right. all you got. Right. Uh, it's either that or you're going to have to get a stage two to make up for, for those lost points. So with most factions, I would say, if you stop them from scoring a public objective, that is so annoying for them. Yep. And they're going to have to do so much to try and make up for that. And if, if you stop them from scoring a public objective and they have bad speaker position, meaning they might not ever get access to Imperial... Their whole game might be shot in round three. Right. You know? Right. They might basically be depending on a round six yeah. happening. The dreaded, horrifying <laughs> round six. Yeah, round round six is non-tempo discussions. All tempo goes out the window and is literally anybody can win at this point. Mm-hmm. I, who who mm-hmm. knows? Literally anyone can win unless there's like a person who is just so far removed from every, you know, they got halfway eliminated in round two or something. But generally speaking, right. literally anybody can win in round six and, and we'll just see how it shakes out. I like almost, I'm already tired by round six, but I especially just like stop commentating in round six because it's like, I don't know, I'm just going to narrate the events as they happen. I could not begin to predict how this round is going to go whereas round five round four like we are making predictions we're seeing what's going to happen uh let's talk more about this like winu stuff and talk about i mentioned soft tempo and hard tempo earlier or we 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 referred to like soft points or hard points or whatever yeah i think we can extend that into this discussion so for me i i would push to include things like control objectives 
into a kind of soft tempo, right? At the very least, you should consider control objectives like we do with Winu, one of those things that's easier to stop. Compare that to what I would call a hard tempo of like spend five trade goods as a public objective. Two tech and two colors. We all know those objectives when they come up. If someone qualifies for it, that's it. There's no taking that away. They will score that. That's when we look at around mm-hmm. five situation and we go, there's nothing we can do about so-and-so because they have this. Whereas a control objective, you almost always can take that away from them in some way with, with enough coordinated effort or whatever. So that's the loosest definition of this kind of tempo, right? Um, I honestly wouldn't even necessarily need to describe this in the in terms of specifically tempo. Just be yeah. mindful right. that there are specific kind of tension points uh, when it comes to trying to throw someone off tempo, uh, which is that there are soft points and hard points, which right. is definitely a topic that we have discussed yes. in a, a previous episode. But although knowing me, it hasn't been for 200 episodes <laughs> exactly. at this point. Um, uh, but yeah, control objectives, that's a pretty soft point until you score it, in which case right. it's done. Shard, always a soft point. Exactly. Never, basically never guaranteed that you're going to be keeping that till the end of the game. Right. Uh, tech objectives unstoppable even mid-round if they've already got the tech it's done right uh trade goods similarly they have to mess up on their own yep uh if they have three of their tactics and their strategy pool good luck but you're done right Um, once a thing is scored it is hard tempo outside of shard of the throne uh political censure as we've seen is a thing that can be taken away it's an agenda that is a victory point but it can be repealed it can have a laws that make it go away and you lose the point uh things like that but but things like crown of amphidia once you get it and you get the planet it is scored it's not going anywhere nothing ever can take that point away from you uh similarly that's why custodians and mechatol points are so valuable is because they don't go at those are hard like once you get that bonus point it's locked it's, in it's there your tempo is established so you have to yeah. look sometimes at you can look at a person on nine and think that they have an incredibly good shot to win but one of those points is the shard of the throne and their home system is wicked open and you can just go take right. that and knock them down not only the shard point but also their public objective scoring potential because they can't score mm-hmm. in the end of the round or whatever so you very often can kill two birds with one stone if you pay attention to the soft points and the hard points right it's another reason that sometimes like let's use seed of the empire yeah. as an example sometimes um i've noticed viewers will watch let's say you have a group where there's like one player clearly ahead that has more points. Yeah. Their tempo is better. Um, everything about their position is great. And then Seed of an Empire comes out, which is uh, the one where... Oh, wait. No, this isn't a great example. I'll use Mutiny instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mutiny's Mutiny, better. you just vote for, everybody gets a point. Um, let's say you do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, now the player that was in the lead is even more in the lead. Oh, my God. They have another point. Right. However... If, let's say, that was the difference between all of the players being at six mm-hmm. or all of them being at seven, and they each have three secret objectives in hand or two in a stage one that they can score, right. now the scoring potential for everyone will kind of come up to ten, right? Yeah, exactly. So then what will be important? Well, speaker position actually will suddenly become more important than the other player's lead. Yeah. Just because that player is at eight, let's say they have one secret objective in hand. Right. And they're like, oh, well, they're definitely going to win by the status phase. Right? I mean, that's not a problem. But, oh no, they're fourth in speaker position. They're going to be picking fourth. Suddenly, they're going to lose this game. And before, before Mutiny came out, we were talking about how they are the only player that can truly win. So this can get confusing sometimes. Yeah. uh, Because one player might be, it might look like, oh, they're giving the player away to one person. 
But again, if their potential is off, then it doesn't matter. All that matters is, can you get to 10 at the end of this round or during this round? Yeah, tempo is essentially ends up acting like a threshold we are all trying to cross. That's why when you hear some big Al commentary, he talks about the 55-point game. A 55-point game is everyone getting perfect tempo and perfect bonus points. It's 55, 56, or uh, what is it? 54 points is all six players getting to nine, right? Yep. And then that that 55th point is just the one person that happens to get to 10. So right. there are certain metas that exist out there where it is like, let's all keep each other on an even keel so that right. we all have a fighting chance so that we all have a dog in the fight when it comes down to the final round. Because the last thing you want is for old so-and-so to be completely too far back in the in the back of the pack and now they no longer wish to fight for the win and and now your whole entanglement is thrown off tempo is controlled and we made our way back to entanglement (laughs) you said entanglement we have entanglement in twilight imperium now y'all it's not just a root thing okay You want the other players to have a shot at winning yeah. so that they will stop the winner so that you will win. Uh, there is, a there is I think, an elegant way uh, to do this. Yeah. To, to fund your neighbor, to hurt your other neighbor right. so that they lose and so that maybe you uh, win. What we need to do at this point, the, the sequel to this episode, I already see, we'll be talking about... Uh, the uh, mantis carousel of wind slaying yeah. stuff or whatever <laughs> the the, the kind of ethics of wind slaying yeah, yeah. the ethical wind slayer we'll right, call it right um and uh i don't know I, I i think that's kind of the next thing for us to really cover in this sort of theoretical right. uh theories of winning stuff yeah you never actually want someone at your table to be a doomed player is what we've uh, i think duke mm-hmm. lucum coined the term or, or someone in one of those uh ti4 online discord uh strategy sessions that they that they held but uh, the right. doomed player is that player who actually is so far off tempo that they literally do not have a shot to win anymore uh-huh. it would require every single person being undone for that doomed player to like the doomed player is begging for that round six scenario that we asked right that we they right. say they, they probably can make it back in a round six scenario but not anytime sooner than that and you don't actually want that at your table you do not want a player in that position because now that's i mean that's just you can say you don't want that what you have to accept when you do that is that you no longer have six people vying for contention like you have to accept that one person is is a wrench in the mix and so now your game's gonna get really weird and stupid and you know what Mm -hmm. also that's very fun and cool and good to watch but like if you don't like that then then don't doom a player like don't don't let them get doomed and you won't have that problem or just be specific when you're dooming. Read the future. Mm. See what's going to happen. And think about what this player still being in the game contributes to your game. Right. I keep going back to this example. I think I've mentioned it several times. There was a game. Oh, it was in the tournament. I forget which one it was. But it was, an, it was this table chose to hurt an L1 player with uh, that agenda that destroys all of the, the, the dreadnoughts except for two. Yeah. Uh, this L1 player had had like all five of their dreadnoughts out. This was Dreamhack. We we, huh? This was Dreamhack. This was Dreamhack. This was this was our Dreamhack game. Oh, it was it Ghosts. It was a Dreamhack it game. It was Ghosts uh, had all their stuff out, or or maybe yeah. it was L1 or whoever. But yeah, yeah, it was it was our Dreamhack game where they they were gonna go ahead and blow up all these ships and wormholes or whatever, and that was destroying the fleet that was going to be the windslaying fleet at the right. end of the game. Right. <laughs> 
Right. And and this player was sitting right next to the player that was going to win. Yeah. Basically. And you and could had see the it. best tempo. It was round yeah. two or whatever. And, right. But the tempo was so far ahead for this player that it was just like, well, I mean, if we don't do anything about it, we're going to let them run away with it. And then they gutted a player who could have done something about it later or right. whatever. And you have right. to you have to look ahead that far. This game is not only just like an endurance test of eight hours. It's also can you think about what your strategy needs to be in hour eight at right. hour two? Like, can you make those considerations? It's kind of like the poli- the political idea of checks and balances, where <laughs> yeah. you need to make sure that that this player exists to be a check on the other player. Mm-hmm. Because if this player is not in the running, then that other player will get too far ahead, and there will be no yeah. one to stop them. Right. Basically, right. So so make sure that your checks and balances are not out of whack. Yeah. You know what I mean? We need elected officials with term <laughs> limits. You know what I mean? Not like people that serve for life and sort of lord over us kind of just an interesting it's, it's like a weird little comparison here. uh it, it's it's the whole reason that like i think people should be funding sar's neighbors like when sar is in a game like those two neighbors to sar should get help from the table to make sure sar right. doesn't swallow them whole because if sar swallows them whole first off we can't do anything about sar in the late game because they score without their home system and they're just going to have more resources so it's like it literally behooves all of us from the get-go to make sure that the two people sandwiching sar have the resources to keep up with sar as best as they can we need to make it a table right. problem I, I mean obviously your goal would be you know if, if you're sitting opposite sar your goal would be like yes i'll contribute one dollar to the fun and it's like you, you yeah, get yeah, away yeah. with not helping very much but you do need to help a little bit because you do need them to have a fighting chance this is right. i mean this maybe isn't always true in like um more casual play people that are only playing a few times a year like you can just see runaways happen but we're talking about situations where we are trying to do two things at once we don't want anyone to get doomed because we don't want anyone to run away with it running away with it is getting ahead of tempo that's why it all relates back to this the person who is too far ahead is the one who has so much point potential that they no longer have any potential to be stopped uh stads had a great pre-rata that was like if you're gonna do uh if you want to properly point block if you want to do any wind slang you got to do it round three in most games yeah. and i think that's very true i mean around four point block is almost or especially like around five point block is almost always like wind slang right or it's 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 a win making it's it's getting rid of one person's chance just to give another person a chance obviously right. there's more delicate situations than that and you are actually all trying to make a round six happen or whatever but round three is the time when it's like actually pure do some point blocking because you can throw off the entire late game and and actually change the stakes of this game and you can point block the people that are ahead of tempo because you've already right. seen their tempo take off who, in who round one and two you know right. yeah who 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 pulled shard off a relic draw you you're know? not dooming like, them don't don't right. don't point block the people that you're going to doom point block the people that are just ahead of tempo and you're just trying to keep right. everyone on par you want to keep everyone at the same level because you want to have a 55 point game that is basically right. the idea Right. Well, I do want to real quick. I do want to interject with this. If you are the player in the lead and you are running it, running away with this game, yeah, you should definitely want to doom a player or two, oh, for as sure. many of them as you can. Yeah, you would like you would like them to be all doomed players exactly. if possible, <laughs> so that none of them will be open to contributing to your very much coming win slay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So like. <laughs> It depends on the position that you're at. Matt, everything Matt said is true, but it's kind of from a position of being in the pack. Yes. If you are the player with the tempo, yeah. You you yeah, let's throw some doom right. out there. You're trying to obfuscate but, paths. You're trying to do weird things to make right. sure people don't 
catch on to your lead or just can't do anything about it. Right. And I think too regularly, I think me and Matt have seen situations where a player that was merely in the pack and did not have some kind of lead will do something to doom a fellow player that is not the one in the pack. Whereas at the end of the day, if they took a second and thought about the political situation they were in, right. Was that really an enemy or was it a potential friend? I mean, even if there are some disagreements that happen, um, we should all be, you know, ruthless Richard Nixon style (laughs) politicians at the table. Everybody, Uh we should all be stabbing each other in the back and then looking each other in the face and kissing each other on the cheek and saying, Hey, I got why you did that. Let's, uh, it's good if we're buddies now, though, because Ghost is about to win this game. Yeah, we can still do something about it, which is hilarious because then, then the commentary always becomes, I just decry that, hey, y'all, somebody does have to win this game. The games that go 14 hours are the ones where everyone is doing this perfectly, very, very well, and we all want to go home. (laughs) But you know what? That's, that's what we signed up for. That's what Twilight Imperium is. I just wish sometimes people could, uh, figure out what to do to a player uh, faster, which is why, honestly, it's why you see in casual play this stuff does still happen, but it happens so much faster because the stakes aren't there. People aren't so paranoid. People get so paranoid in semis play, they don't want anyone to get one over on them or whatever. But if you just like adopt the 55 point mentality, you get to the same end game much faster because you're not just constantly trying to hold everyone back. You're just trying to make sure we all get to the same place on equal footing. It's 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 not about um it's not just about trying to have a fun game. I do think like Big Al's philosophy on 55 point game is the key to good casual play, right? That's it's what we do with new players. It's just like, listen, we're not here to just sit here and rope on each other's stuff. Like we want we want to have a good game. But I do think it is good strategy because it's like the only way to guarantee we all get on an even keel and do it fast enough where we're not so tired by the end of the game that we actually do just give up. We have seen this happen. In, sure. I mean, I, I commentated a semis game where it was going on so not even as long as one of Hunter's, but it was going on so long that a couple of the players were like, let's roll a die and determine a winner. Decide I don't want to play this anymore. It's gone yeah, on yeah. too long. Like I'm out. that is an element of all of this. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> just game, play the game can go long. You yeah. got to be sensitive to that. Um, I, I will say, Matt, the only the only problem I see with you, with with what you're saying, and with with Big Al's 55 point game, I gotta offer the counterpoint sure. here, is that when you do the 55 point game and you execute it perfectly, the other axis that we have not talked at all yeah. about in this episode, speaker position, right. suddenly becomes so important, and speaker position to me is so brutal. Yeah, I mean, it it's is the it is too. Like it's, it's it's brutal and it's boring. Yeah. Um. So I am going to join Stads in the mean dodgeball court sure. and say we should be point blocking each other more yeah. in round three. And every time someone takes a custodian's token, the other five players should be looking at them and saying, I know what's going on yeah. here. Okay. <laughs> I see. Right I see you. you. <laughs> yeah. And every time a player draws shard, they should say, well, actually, that that is actually, that is perfectly baked in because, you know, yeah. who's not going to steal shard from right. somebody? Sure. Um. So every time someone gets obsidian, oh, I see you. Now yeah. you're in trouble. Right. You're in my naughty, my my naughty box <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. I won't be support swapping with you. I'll be support swapping with someone else. I'll I, say. In this I voice. even I think this way of someone with det that just gets a secret objective draw. The more secrets you see, even if you're upward, like you still have a three secret limit. If you've seen five secrets, I'm way more scared of you than the person who just drew their third secret this round five. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's two different things 
things, even though they have the same upward limit. I'm thinking of both as like, well, you have a three secret thing, but one of them is like, you've cultivated your secret hand, and the other drew a thing, and they're hoping to score it this round. Those are two very different tempos, basically. Yeah, I just assume everybody draws easy secrets yeah. and gets to score them. Because well, so here's the thing, there's easy. always someone that did. Yes. Not right. like, not everyone did, but sure. someone did... And if there's a pack of players, I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just start pretending they're all scored. Right. Um, you know, I would always love to, to stop a secret, but so so many of them are so dinky and, yep. and difficult to stop. Right. You know, just well, not and, really and again, just like support for the thrones, you get two people willing to coordinate enough, like they'll make it happen if it's if it's early yeah. enough. The the one I'm less afraid of is the round five draw, but in round three, anything goes. Like you're going to find someone who's going to help you do that secret because you can probably help them score a secret or whatever. Matt, I saw a game. It was one of the semis, and I'm not talking smack on this player. I'm small. I'm talking smack on the other five. I saw a game where a player had nine ground forces on one planet. <laughs> And they had not scored a particular secret that you might be aware of, and then compensated disarmament or whatever. Uh-huh. The one where you elect a planet and then you destroy all the ground forces on it yep. came up, and they didn't do it. Yeah. They didn't do it. That's really weird. And, I, and this would not have been dooming either, in my opinion, or actually, I can't quite remember that. Sure. I do feel like it would have been, it, it would have slowed this player down, and they were clearly uh, in the pack. So yeah. perhaps, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe they were thinking more the way we're talking, and I'm thinking the old ways. Yeah. But I was like, this is normally a nothing burger, and it definitely is now. But what if we use it to take away one secret draw? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They got to draw a new secret now, or they got to try and score that again, which is annoying. Yeah. I'm just going to start playing with, like, you know how Kraken plays with, like, a little meta counter for each person? He's like, yeah, this, oh this my is my, God, my yeah. win-making thing. I, I want to play with a version of that that is just my tempo counter, and, and it's just my way of saying, listen... Well, are you joking right now? No. Are you are you doing a joke? No. You what? know that Kraken has a tempo counter now. Right? I, I think he. I think that's right. I, I mean, I I think I'm remembering this. I want to play with yeah, that. Yeah. I want to play yeah, with yeah. the the thing of like, listen. Here's the list of people I'm more willing to negotiate with because I can clearly see unimpeachably their tempo isn't the same as your tempo. As you know, as person in the lead. So it's like the right. second you are too high up on my tempo counter. That's it. Like I can, I'm not working with you. You're the one in the lead, or whatever. Like, I, and and having that public facing so that everyone else at the table can see the same thing I see and can offer counterpoints, or whatever. But it's like I don't care unless you're showing me your secrets. I don't care what you have to say. Like I see what your point yeah. potential is. It is always public information what your point potential is. Yeah. Well, I hope you can hear uh, me rolling my eyes. But uh, I, you know, I hope somebody else makes a tempo counter uh because not like i could read krakens at all not that it was legible at all to me someone that does this for a living i'm looking at it and i'm like there's all these complicated symbols on yeah, it there's like no. a million little dots on it if you've seen it i don't even remember which tournament game it was that was krakens but kraken how do you do this i know <laughs> i say you're gonna do a pottery barn you, you don't, don't do that fair enough Okay, I didn't really give you anything to go off of there. That's fine. But instead, you come up with this other... It's like a contraption. I don't even know what it is. It's literally it's just a trap for count. us. It had nothing to do with the game, Hunter. It was I just to drive us did. crazy. I think it was fake. Yeah. That's what I thought when I was commentating that game. Is I was like, I don't even think this is real. This is not even a real thing. Yeah. It had all... It's so... Oh, breaking. Breaking. What are we gonna? What are we gonna do with you? <laughs> Keep watching your games with delight, is what I say. Hey, guess what? 
That was the episode, and I want to thank our Weird Bears, Weird Bears, Big Al Cappuccino, Anvalier, Squeamish Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Holio de Penguin, Kraken, Dark Jutsu, Goondock, Carnal, Necro Dies Twice, Totally Calculating Poet, Kindred Spirit, Lord Raddington, Bagels, M. Lashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky M44, Rwise, and Wacker. Holy God. Uh, and then Mama's Lovely Larva, My Son is Also Named Bort, Nerf Zerk, Tautology is What It Is. Frank G, Rekka, Jadim Jedi, Graxer, Uncle Batty, Savant, and Teddy's Jam for you. Yeah. All right. What's going on with Homebrewers Guild right now, Matt? We are working on exploration additions to the deck, uh, what we're calling artifacts. I want points. I want contestable victory points in Ooh. the exploration decks. More uh, bonus points. More you want to get bonus more points. bonus points That's in exactly the game. what I want. And I want bonus points that are soft bonus points that, that can be traded around can be tossed can be taken if the planet is yeah. taken or some other metric that makes it to where they can lose it and someone else can gain it i want unpredictability in my ti i want a cti that is thrown out of this tempo mix and is too chaotic to keep up with so we see more surprises that's the kind of game we are after uh not just chaos yeah. in mechanics chaos in our predictability of our opponents chaos control chaos control um galactic council poll is out uh, gotta check it out. We got four great options for you. Um, we have not talked about these yet, although for some reason I thought we had. Um, the so, poll has been uh, out for like a week, the, is why. The poll is out. The poll The poll was out on July 1st. I, I got ahead of it this time. But uh, let's talk a little bit about your options. So the first option is one that's been grandfathered in from an old poll. It didn't make it, but it's how to commentate Twilight Imperium. Uh, we would have some of our uh, commentators that are not me and Matt yeah. come on the show uh, and we would all have a kind of a roundtable discussion on what we think makes good commentary uh, for Twilight Imperium. Uh, I think uh, I think this would be a real cool idea for an episode. It'd be fun to have some uh, some guests on, yeah. uh, you know. Well, and you, uh, I think you'd actually, stuff. I think you'd actually learn something. To, I mean, similar to this, this episode, this episode basically was part one of that, right? It's like this is how uh-huh. Hunter and I commentate. It is we yeah, look yeah. at tempo and we talk about tempo all the time, yeah, basically yeah. during streams. Like, I want to, I want to hear from the other commentators that have learned this year how to do this thing and get varied perspectives on like what makes for a good stream. Right. Um, and then the second option is how good is asynchronous Twilight Imperium? Uh, this would involve me and Matt. Uh, hitting up the asynchronous uh, community, uh, which is people that play uh, Twilight Imperium. Uh, it's kind of like play by forum. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of not play by forum. Um, you, you're doing like your turn separately from yeah. everyone else. It's not being played in real time. Right. Um, so we would hit up that community and take a look at what's going on there and how they are doing. We're just going to knock on their door and be like, hey, how are you? Yeah. 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 Um, there's a, the, the, basically, the point is there's a bunch of tools. There's, like there, there's been play by forum for a long time, but there's a Discord that exists and they have developed some crazy bots and basically this is a pitch to like why you should get into async ti because it's actually easier than you think it is is essentially the idea that we would yeah. uh, we'd be talking about the technology has come a long ways okay yeah. um this third option uh is called what's it like to be a finalist this would involve us interviewing past finalists those that we can get a hold of and talk to them about how it felt to play in the Space Cats, Peace Turtles, Twilight Imperium finals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of get their take on it. And uh, also, it'd be just a nice trip down memory lane. Yeah. Uh, before we do our Road to the Finals episode. Uh, or maybe after. I don't even know when the, when the schedule but is But just a good right catch up with some old, some old names that we haven't maybe... Uh, I mean, w- last time we technically talked to them could have been as far back as their Road to the Finals episode. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Um, and then the last option is a status report 
on the state of the tabletop playground twilight imperium mod there was just a big update to to tabletop playground yeah Uh, there were a lot of things added that uh daryl and the rest of the mod team are working on uh, as far as uh, changing and tightening up the mod in its current state um and it would be cool yeah to get a report on where that work is at yeah. and, uh, and how th- far along it's come to sort of theorize where else it's going to go too. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. as a, as a person who doesn't know what happens in the background, I don't know what the upper limit is. I can sit here and dream of a billion ideas of what we could do, but like, it's nice to have those conversations with Daryl who can kind of take an idea and turn it into code and, you know, realize it. So, so to know what kind of mod we could have down the line uh, with Tabletop Playground and what kind of time frame that could potentially happen with. So that's that's your Galactic Council options. Uh, you can also rate this podcast on Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. And uh, that rating will increase our visibility and get more people to learn about Twilight Imperium and play it with us. You can also go to our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com, for information about our Patreon to vote on the Galactic Council polls or help contribute to the Homebrewers Guild uh, or get a slick, cool jersey if you're a weird bear. Uh, you can also find information about our Twitter, our Discord, our merch, everything else uh, on that website. Yeah, um, and you know what you could do uh, whenever you rate the show? Uh, you could give us five stars, and then you could just, like, type up, like, a description of your cat yeah. that you like. Yeah. So as to make someone believe that perhaps it is a show about pets. Yes. Um, same, of course, goes for turtles. Right. So if you have a turtle that you remember that you really liked, um, you could just write about that turtle. Yep. Um, and that might be fun uh, to confuse people right it's fun for us to uh just throw off the algorithm in as many ways as possible and really undo any progress we make with those five star ratings by making sure oh, yeah, the point. keywords yeah. are as obtuse and i mean i would appreciate on, on the turtle thing i i'm a person who loves to pull over on the side of the oh, road no. i'm a turtle rescuer i like to grab the oh there's a turtle um, in the road stop the car uh and, and i'd love to hear everyone else's stories about recent turtles they've rescued because really it's just it's the, so the best cute. thing ever you it's know so what i because he can't he it's like you it's you gotta see it folks yeah. You got to see him do this because he just pulls over yeah. wherever you're at yeah, just stop. and just gets out and helps the turtle get across the street. What so I've ridiculous. recently learned, too, is it's important to um, it's it's impossible to know right where this turtle was coming from. But if it's on the road, uh, turtles, especially box turtles, they, they actually live almost their entire lives in a very small radius, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you see a turtle going one direction on the road, I would say the prevailing theory is you should pick that turtle up and actually set it back. On the side of the road it was coming from. I oh, think the, wow. the logic would be, oh, it's trying to go somewhere. Uh, but it might actually just be sort of wandering. And now this road is an obstacle it didn't expect. And it's going the wrong way. And if you put it back in the grass on the other side of the road, it can get its bearings back. So I've al- I was always a person that, that let it keep going where it was going. But I've, I've read some articles since then that say, actually, maybe, maybe put them back on the other side. Because that's probably where their home actually was. And they need to get back over there rather than get lost on the other side of the road where they can't distinguish features anymore. Matt, but what if they were on the other side? I know of the there's road, no way to know. Matt, there's no Matt, way to know. There's Matt, no way to know. And maybe no you purpose. shouldn't disturb the turtles. That's probably there's valid opinions there. But I also don't want. Uh, it's better than the turtle being run over to death. Uh, I don't. Want, yeah. I don't really prefer that outcome. That's true. So that's true. Uh, I'm I I'm would... the person with the train tracks, and there's people on one side and people on the other side. Your that's, trolley problem. I'm the trolley problem, and I'm choosing to put the turtle back where it came from. Yeah, well, I, you know what I, you, you know, my answer to the trolley problem, mm-hmm. brother, 
build a sick ramp. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>